hear that rain. It's been dry out there lately. Yeah. <laughs> Talking to a farmer today, and he was very thankful for that rain. He had just got finished getting his fields ready for winter pastures, and very thankful. And I'm thankful for it. I'm glad I got a half day off work today, too. <laughs> Need it every now and then. Amen. God's been good, though. Um, tonight I got this message it's been on my heart for a while um, I titled it from stronghold to strong point and um, tonight also ask that your prayers be with Israel and brother Corey mentioned that a while ago too you know I, I didn't know as I was preparing this message that they would be in a war at this time you know just a few days later but you know this world may think it's all about land and borders but there's a bigger plan it's all about the prophecy being fulfilled and Jesus getting ready to come back. So ready or not, he's coming soon. And God will protect Israel. Amen. Before we get started, too, it's good to see my friend Riley here tonight. It's good to have him. So if you got your Bible, it's like for you to stand reading the word. We're going to be in the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 11, and verse 5. It says, And the inhabitants of Jabez said to David, Thou shalt not come hither. Nevertheless, David took the castle of Zion, which is the city of David. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, Lord. Another opportunity to share your word. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll deal with my heart tonight, too, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to relay this message, Lord, like you've given it to me. Lord, like you preached it to me. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this place, Lord. And I pray that you'll just be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Man, you can be seated. So I want everybody to kind of think back to when they were younger. I know some of y'all are still young, but Amen. <laughs> um, think back to when you were younger. When you were a little kid, did you ever build a fort? Yeah. We, we've all built some kind of fort of some sort, I'm sure, whether it's out in the woods having a cool little clubhouse or a tree house or cardboard boxes when you had to get a new refrigerator or something. You know, pulling sheets across the chairs over to the bed and tying them to the doorknob. You know, yeah. the girls, Reese and, I mean, uh, Ruthie and Rebecca, they had a fort the other night. You opened the door and you couldn't see the floor. I mean, everything, there was covered all the way across the room, four foot high. What y'all doing? <laughs> yeah, we got a fort. But anyway, sports are always fun. <clears throat> and now kids, they have, uh, they don't get to enjoy those like they used to. Now they have virtual forts and and all, all that kind of stuff. I've never experienced that myself. But, but um, anyways, ever since my childhood, I've always been fascinated with forts. Um, we used to build really awesome forts when we were little, when we were kids, running all through the woods. Um, we had one that was called Fort Ditch. <laughs> it was a drainage ditch that came from a swamp just to drain you know, this low area. And it was about a five foot deep ditch, about 15 foot wide. And after one of the hurricanes came through, I don't remember which one it was. I was, I don't know, maybe 10 years old, but a billboard blew off of Highway 59 and that made the perfect roof for our fort. <laughs> we put it over that ditch so it looked like a bridge in one sense, but uh, it was a really good fort until our first big rain and it filled up with water moccasins. So we had to abandon that one. <laughs> and we had another one, we just called it Fort Hole in the Ground. We took our, uh, took our billboard and we cut it in pieces and we dug a big hole 
and that was the roof to it. We had a little tunnel going in. It was it was really cool for it too. Then we had one called the Mexican Shed, <laughs> and that was uh, where the migrant workers back in Somerdale and their sister Darlene may remember some of that growing up, where they used to have sheds out off the old Trussell Road, and um, that's where they would live at during harvest time and working on the railroad tracks. And it was before my time, but the sheds were still there, and we made a really awesome fort out of it. But uh, I've always been interested in. Uh, in forts though we we had we had a ton of fun playing capture the flag and bb gun wars and then we got older a little more sophisticated it turned into paintball wars and <laughs> it got pretty violent sometimes that it was a lot of fun but i've always been interested in in historic battle forts as well you know we we live in a pretty history rich area believe it or not um, but I like to learn about the forts and about the weaponry that was used there, yeah. the victories and the losses of these forts. Back in uh, 2010, we, we won the bid to do the restoration down at Fort Morgan to restore a section of the fort. And man, it's really interesting when you get to learning the history of what all happened back there in the 1830s and 40s and 50s and on up into the Civil War. There's a lot of history. But we've got a lot of areas. We have... Uh, Fort Morgan, Fort Pickens, Fort Mims. You know, believe it or not, Fort Mims up in the north end of the county is the largest massacre on U.S. soil before 9-11. It's hard to believe right here in Baldwin County, and led by our ancestors. But, <laughs> but um, anyways, we have Blakely and Battles Wharf and, you know, many other history-rich sites right here close to home within an hour's drive. But um, if you look at the definition of a fort. In the dictionary, it says a strong or a fortified place, especially a fortified place occupied only by troops and surrounded with such works as a ditch, a rampart, or a parapet. And some synonyms for the word fort would be bastion, castle, citadel. I learned a lot of these words working down at Fort Morgan. We had a historian and a um, geologists and archaeologists, all kind of people there on site the whole time in case we dug anything up. But another word is fastness, fortification, fortress, hold, redoubt, or stronghold. And that word stronghold just kind of stuck with me. Yeah. So I want you to take a note of these synonyms, especially the word stronghold. And stronghold means a place of security or survival. That's right. And there's another definition too. It says a place dominated by a particular group or marked by particular characteristics. Two very different definitions for one word. But these definitions led me to my title tonight from stronghold to strong point. And I was, you know, looking through the Bible for different references, you know, to and about forts and fortresses. And there was one in particular that just, just stuck with me. Brother Eddie uh, talked the other night in the men's fellowship about Jericho and the walled fortress, the walled city, how that the walls came tumbling down. <clears throat> and he talked about, you know, pulling down walls in our lives. But um, there's another fort that was similar to that, and that's the fort of, of Javis. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to look in the Bible in First Chronicles chapter 11, verses 4 through 9. It says, And David and all of Israel went to Jerusalem, which is Jabus, where the Jebusites were. The inhabitants of the land and the inhabitants of Jabus said to David, Thou shalt not come hither, nevertheless, 
David took the castle of Zion, which is the city of David, and David said, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. So Joab, the son of Zeruiah, went up first and was chief. And David dwelt in the castle, therefore they called it the city of David. And he built the city round about, even from Millo round about. And Joab repaired the rest of the city. So David waxed greater and greater, for the Lord of hosts was with him. <clears throat> I'm going to look in 2 Samuel. I know I've got a lot of reading for a short time here. But 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 through 10 is kind of talking about the same account. It says, Then came all the tribes of Israel to David and Hebron, and spake, saying, Behold, we are thy bone and thy flesh, also in time past, when Saul was king over us. Thou was he that leddest out and broughtest in Israel. And the Lord said unto thee, Thou shalt feed my people Israel, and thou shalt be a captain over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king of Hebron. And King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 30 and three years over all of Israel and Judah. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem and to the Jebusites and the inhabitants of the land which spake unto David, saying, Except thou take away the blind and the lame, thou shalt not come in hither, thinking David cannot come in hither. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the same as the city of David. And David said on that day, Whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul, he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about for Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. <clears throat> so at this time, David had now been anointed as king over all of Israel. He had been anointed three different times during his life. His first anointing was as a, a young boy when he was 14, 15 years old, as a young teen, when Samuel came to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. And then we can look at his second anointing, which was um, when he was anointed as king over the tribe of Judah. And um, third anointing was when he was anointed as king over all of Israel. Was, uh, seven and a half years would go by from when he was the king of Judah to being, becoming king over all of Israel. And when God calls you to do something, there's always going to be that time from when that person is called until the moment when God says go. And when God says go, you better go. Don't drag around. Brother Corey mentioned it the other night. That What was it? The, the space of time when you don't go, that's disobedience. When God says to stay, don't go forward. Sometimes we just need to be still and know that he is God. I'm going to take a look at Saul here for just a second. You know, Saul, he ruled just before David. And he was disobedient. You know, Saul didn't wait when the man of God said to wait. And it wound up costing his kingdom. It wound up costing his life. And ultimately his eternity. You know, I know Brother Eddie's preached before about Saul and his partial obedience. But you know, Saul, he allowed strongholds to exist in his life and in his kingdom, one stronghold being the Amalekites. God clearly instructed Saul to utterly destroy the Amalekites and to wipe them out. Don't let any of them live, nor their stuff. 
But yet, what did he do? He went to battle and he brings back the king and all the all the spoils and everything. He just wanted to show them off. You know, he was uh, he was greedy. <clears throat> you know, um, there was also the walled city Jabus, which was a stronghold in Saul's kingdom, and he was too fearful to approach it. You know, Saul he liked to avoid confrontation. A lot of us, a lot of times, it's easier to avoid confrontation. A lot of times, it's easier just to turn the other way, walk away. It's it's convenient sometimes, but when you walk away from confrontation too much, that that issue is going to continue to swell. It's going to continue to get bigger. You know, it's definitely not a good uh, characteristic of a king to avoid confrontation. You know, when it came to uh, being anointed as king over Israel, what happened to Saul? He he hid. First Samuel chapter ten verses twenty one and twenty two says when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near with their families, the family of Matri was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. He was hiding when it came time to be anointed king. You know, that's not a good example of a king. That's not the one you call your brave and fearless leader. We can look at the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Saul was there. And he was head and shoulders above everyone else. But Goliath still came out every day. Did nothing about it. Cowered down. He was not bold enough to face that uncircumcised Philistine. And Saul also disobeyed God and listened to the people. He had his eyes on prosperity as well. When God told him to utterly destroy the Amalekites, like I said a while ago, instead of killing King Agag, he brought him back to show him off. And instead of killing his herds, he brought him back for his gain so that he could offer him for sacrifice. Then most tragically, Saul, he lost the ark. The ark, which was symbolic of God's presence, was gone from Israel. He never could defeat the inward foe that was in Israel. He never could defeat what was inside you know, if we can't allow Christ to fight the inward battles in our life, we're going to lose touch with God's presence. We can't hang on to our past. We can't hang on to addiction. We can't hang on to besetting, as Brother mentioned the other night, besetting sins or hidden sins. You know, there was a city in the midst of Israel that I named a while ago called Jabus. Anybody ever heard of Jabus before? It's one of those ones you just, I don't know how, you look over it. I hadn't heard of it very much. I believe I've only heard one message preached about, about Jabus, and I believe it was Brother Mark Harridge that preached it. <clears throat> but it's one of those names you just don't, you don't hear every day. But Jabus was a fort. It was a stronghold. It was a great walled city, and it was right, just right there in the middle of Israel. 2 Samuel 5 and 7 calls it the stronghold of Zion. The enemy had built and maintained the stronghold right in the middle of God's promised land. God had told the Israelites to drive out the inhabitants of the promised land, but they didn't. You know, when we get saved, when we get delivered, we get rid of the things that once caused us to sin. We lay aside every weight, every hindrance right. that does so easily beset us. Right. You know, we separate ourselves from those who are toxic to our relationship to Christ. I had a friend a while back that uh, 
just gotten saved, and he <clears throat> started coming to church, and you know, God delivered him from alcohol, and he was telling me, he said, man, I'm delivered, he said, but you know, I've still got all these cases of alcohol and all this liquor there in the house, and I, I don't want to just throw it away, and you know, I don't, I don't want to give it to anybody, I don't know what to do with it, I said, man, you better get rid of that stuff, get away from it, it's going to come back to bite you. And lo and behold, it was just a matter of time where that it came back. You know, he finally got tired of looking at it, moving stuff around it, and got back on it, and he's not here today. Lost his life to drinking and driving. You know, it's a very sad story. You know, he didn't defeat and get rid of that inward thing that was inside. <clears throat> if you leave it there on the shelf long enough to look at you, it's going to jump out and get you before long. Anyways, Jabus was a strong and fortified city that Saul never attempted to overthrow. He was afraid of the confrontation. He just left them alone. You know what happens when you leave a problem alone? It gets bigger. It grows into an even bigger problem if it's not dealt with. It's kind of like a lie. You tell a lie, and then you got to lie and lie and lie to keep covering up that lie, and they call it the snowball effect, same thing, you know, with you know, problems in your life. If you don't deal with them, they're just going to keep growing with you. But there's that inward foe in all of us. We all have that sin nature, the flesh, that wants to build strongholds in our lives. It wants to make a foothold and then become a stronghold in your life. So if we don't defeat that which is on the inside, the outside will overtake us. Just like what happened with Saul. You Just let it sink in for just a moment. There's a great fortified stronghold right in the middle of God's promised land. A warlike fort city right in the middle of Israel. And if Satan, he desires to erect strongholds right in the middle of your life. He's going to try all that he can do. He erected that stronghold in Jabus because he knew that God had a plan for that city. And he tries to do the same in your life because he knows that God has a plan for your life. And he's going to try everything that he can do to keep that stronghold right there. Some strongholds in our lives could be bitterness, jealousy, relationships, past failures, family problems, battles in your mind, uh, cursing, anger, lust, pornography, past addictions. You know, one of the first things that David did when he became king was he went after that city. Very first thing. It says, when David and his mighty men approached the city, in 2 Samuel 5 and 6, says the Jebusites, they laughed at him. They mocked him. They, they said that even their sick, their lame, their blind could defeat him. They said, there's no way you're going to get us. Our sick, your, our lame, and our blind could take you. You know, Satan, he's going to try to ridicule you right. over the strongholds that he's placed in your life. He's going to taunt you with, you know, you can't go without that nicotine today. You can't walk away from that bottle. Just like, you know, my friend, he... Thought he could walk away from that bottle, but he didn't want to get rid of it because he spent so much money on it. He said, you can't just walk away from that bottle. That needle, that's it's calling your name. You know, what's one more click on that, that dirty website going to do? It's just one more click. You know, the devil, he's going to try to tempt you every way that he can. He's going to try to ridicule you. He's going to try to say, hey, it's not going to hurt. Do it one more time. You can, you can ask God's forgiveness, but you know what? You might not be able to. The time might come up. You may be caught in that sin. You know, Satan's going to make you feel so weak and so dependent on these strongholds. They'll make you feel like you can't live without them. 
I can tell you about caffeine. There's been times when I felt like I could not live without caffeine. But several months ago, I quit it all, cold turkey. Brother Corey was at our house that first night that I quit. I was pretty miserable, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> but I made it. I mean, I'm not totally caffeine-free, but I can go without it now, you know, thanks to the Lord. I couldn't have done it without Him. But, um, you know, there are things that can take control of your life. I'm not saying caffeine's a bad thing, but when you allow it to rule your life and you can't function without it, it's when you need to be careful. You can remain in spiritual bondage, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And you can go to all the counselors, all the psychologists and psychiatrists you want, but it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Only the power of God can do it. You know, and Satan desires also to make you into a spiritual cripple. He'll mock you. He'll laugh at you. He'll call you names. He'll try to make your doubt your salvation. Make you feel like you miss God. Make you feel like you're all alone, like you're the only one. But you know what? We're not all alone. Yeah. You know, he sent us that comforter, the Holy Ghost. Yeah. But also, yeah. you know, it talks about that great cloud of witnesses that also has gone on before us. And we also, we have Christian brothers and sisters all around. Yeah. All around. They're everywhere. Don't ever feel all alone. David even went through a time of fleeing from Saul when he felt all alone. He had to hide in caves to save his own life. You know, he felt all alone. He felt abandoned. <clears throat> but you know, when God calls someone, he also calls others to stand with him. Yeah. You know, we're not alone. Thankful for my church family here at Bible Way. Y'all yeah. have always been there for us, and I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, have you ever heard of David's mighty men? You know, David, he didn't stand alone. Even though he felt like he was all alone, he still had these mighty men with him. They're mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 23. You know, God will always send people. <clears throat> he always sends helpers to strengthen us along the way. Some of his mighty men were, one of them was a Dino. He slew 800 men with a spear. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even kill 800 Tweety Birds with a 12-gauge. <laughs> he killed 800 men with a spear. Yeah. You got Eleazar. He smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand claved to the sword. Right. You know, we may be weary sometimes. But we have the sword. The word of God here in our yeah, hand needs to cleave to that word. Yeah. Don't let it go. Hang on to that word. And we have Shammah. We've all heard of him before. He defended the hill of beans when everyone else fled. He stood his ground and he was victorious. We have Benaniah. He slew two lion-like men and a lion. And then slew an Egyptian with his own spear. These are very impressive stories. Very mighty men. There were 37 mighty men in all. And they all had testimonies of great strength and valor and of faithfulness. <clears throat> Anyways, back to Jabez. They said even their blind, our lame, and our weak can defeat you. Satan, like I said, he's going to try to taunt you and ridicule you so, that, so much that if you listen long enough too, that you'll begin to believe those lies. Yes, sir. That's why it's important that we stay in the Word. We stay in constant prayer with the Lord. Right. Stay in, in with the Lord. Um, you know, I've been there before, and I know some of y'all probably have too. You just feel so defeated sometimes. You feel like you're all alone. You feel completely worthless. You feel like God can never use you. He can never speak through you or to you. You just feel unworthy. You know, then Satan, he'll come up and he'll remind you of your past, of things that you've done before. 
You know, why would God ever want to use somebody like you, somebody that's done that? You know, he'll do all these different things to try to tear you down. But David, he didn't let it get to him. He had a mission, and he also had a vision. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 19, says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. It's important that we have a vision. <clears throat> it's important that we keep our eyes in the Word of God. Man, just like David had a mission, Satan also had a mission too. He had established this stronghold right in the center of Israel. He knew God's plan for Israel in the future. And God had mapped out that city to be his capital. Jabus, believe it or not, is none other than Jerusalem. You know, the city of David, the place where the temple was to be right. built. You know, and that's you know, Satan had that stronghold there trying to divert it. He's always got a plan trying to go against what God has. You know, when Jesus comes again, guess where he's coming? He's not going to Joel Osteen's church. He's not going to Washington, D.C. He's not going to Hollywood. He's going to Jerusalem. He's coming to Jerusalem to set his kingdom up there in Jerusalem. It's still one of the most fought and sought after lands in the world today. The Jews and the Muslims are constantly fighting over control of the Temple Mount. You know, we see Israel and Gaza in a war as we speak over the land. <clears throat> God has a plan for Israel. Right. And hell is going to try to stop it any way that he can. Right. You know, Satan knew God's plan. And all he, all he was trying to do, I mean, he was trying all that he could do to throw a kink in it. But David came in. Yeah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and verse 4. Thus, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. <clears throat> we can't do it on our own. We can't do it. No. I thank God that our weapons aren't carnal. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't kill the devil with a gun as bad as I'd like to. You can't kill him with a gun. You can't blow him up with a bomb. But we can defeat him by the blood of Jesus. And when we try to overcome strongholds by ourselves, we're going to fail over every time. You know, our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Some weapons that we have are the Word of God. We have prayer. We have fasting. We have faith. We have the power in the blood. We have the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee. And Satan, he can't cross that bloodline. And we look at... Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says what shall we then say to these things if God be for us and who can be against us man what a promise we're going to look back at our text in 2 Samuel chapter 5 verses 7 through 10 it says nevertheless David took the stronghold of Zion the same as the city of David and David said on that day whosoever getteth up to the gutter and smiteth the Jebusites and the lame and the blind that are hated of David's soul he shall be chief and captain. Wherefore they said, The blind and the lame shall not come into the house. So David dwelt in the fort and called it the city of David. And David built round about from Milo and inward. And David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. And David took that stronghold and made it his strong point. It also says that David dwelt in the fort. <clears throat> he made it his home. And one of the synonyms that I mentioned earlier was the word castle. So... For all you men here, 
We like to be the king of our castle, right? Yes, sir. Amen. <laughs> you know, I'm sure we all have some type of defense plan. If something ever was to happen, some kind of defense plan to guard your house or guard your castle. You know, maybe an alarm, maybe cameras, maybe a guard dog, or maybe weapons. I was talking to Emmanuel. We took him shooting before he left to go to Canada, and he loved it. Had him on those shotguns, and he shot, and he shot, and he shot. He was in hog heaven. He loved it. And uh, he said, back at home, all we have for protection is machetes. I like this. <laughs> Amen. You know, we try to be prepared for an attack from the outside. We often overlook what might be gaining ground from the inside though. And Kirsten, if you want to go ahead and come to the piano, coming to a close here. But being children of God, we need to search our hearts. We need to search our homes for things that could be strongholds for Satan to gain ground in our own lives. It could be through a number of things. It could be through music. It could be through books. It could be through television, through games or the internet. We have to defeat that inward foe before we allow it to overcome us. You know, it was back when we were at Somerdale and over the youth. We had a lot of the kids there. We had several. We had probably over 40 for a while. And started talking about things in our lives and, and um, <clears throat> things that could become strongholds. And there's a big influence of witchcraft that's going against our children nowadays, especially your young teens, witchcraft and mysticism and all these different things that are coming hard against them. And, and um, mentioned Harry Potter one night and our, our class dropped from 40 plus to two families. And uh, it was sad, but things, small things like that can have a great influence, a deadly influence on your eternity. You know, it could be through a number of different things, but we have to defeat that inward foe before we allow it to overcome us. So the name Jabus in Greek means threshing floor. It was a place where the good was separated from the bad. The weak was separated from the chaff. It was a place of judgment. We also need to take what was once strongholds in our lives and let Christ make them strong points for his glory. If you've been delivered, testify about it. Man, I had a guy a while back, stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. He said, you know, I just want to go out and do drugs and all these different things and just so I can have a testimony to say that I did it and God brought me through. And I said, man, you are going to fail flat on your face. And he's in prison as we speak. And not living for the Lord. But um, if you have been delivered, testify about it. There's someone out there that needs to hear that testimony. If you've been saved, miraculously saved, tell somebody about it. Your testimonies, you know, of God's healing, of his deliverance, of his salvation. You never know whose life you can touch through it. I had a young man yesterday call me on the way home. He said, man, I've been watching y'all work. Is your back ever hurting? No, sir. Never. Never had a back pain. So I don't believe you. He said, I'm, I can't remember how old he said he was. He said, younger than me. He said, I, I got to take medicine every day. Just waking up cause my back hurts. I 
I said, ma'am, when I was a child, I got thrown off a horse and broke my back. I said I was paralyzed you know, from the neck down. I said my backbone was split just like that. I had the x-ray to show it. And I said dad and mom and dad called everybody they could imagine to call, uh, come and pray and called them to pray. I said just a few minutes later, I walked out of that x-ray room. Paralyzed and then 30 minutes later, I'm walking. And he goes, are you serious? I said, yes, sir, I am. I said, by the grace of God, he healed me. I said, it was miraculous. I said, the doctor came out with dad holding an x-ray of it broke and another x-ray of it put back together. And I said, I've never had a back pain since. And God's faithful and he is able. So if you have a testimony, share that testimony. You never know who needs to hear it. Take whatever was a stronghold in your life before and turn it into a testimony. Turn it into a strong point. You never know when someone else may be going through the same battle that you just came through. The same battle that you just overcame. But I'd like to open these altars tonight for all to come. You know, if there's any strongholds in your life tonight that you need